0: Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. FNR. That's slash FNR. Victory looking to build. Barbarous is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarous! Wow! It feels good to say this. It feels very, very good to say this. The come dog has been capped. He is going to Qatar along with 25 other members of the Australian national team squad that we have found out about. Today, just hours ago and here on this week's edition of the Oz Football Hour, we're back this week, took a a break for Cup weekend down here in Victoria, and uh, we're going to be reviewing not just the cum dog being in that squad, but all of the uh, other 25 that were picked, full on reaction from a a very busy day on Soccer Twitter, and to do that, uh, myself, Lockie Flanagan, very pleased this week to be joined by, uh, or not, by Jason Goldsmith. Jason Goldsmith is on the plane uh not the plane to Qatar but the plane to to Manchester for a uh, football writers festival there where his book Be My Guest I think is the the subject of a, a nice little show so he's going to be away for a while but stepping into the breach is none other than Oscar Rutherford Oscar I'm going to start start you off hot on this program uh the soccer is squad your initial reaction go
1: Oh, okay um
0: <laughs> sure Throwing you straight in the defense thank you
1: that was that was a very dramatic build up ah uh, what, what are my initial thoughts on the soccergaroo squad uh, I thought that the squad it was it was weird it was like a mix there there, were, there was good and there was less good and there was and by less good I mean predictable and and repetitive and 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 safe but then there were also more elements of 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 dynamism and of unexpectedness than I was anticipating perhaps. Uh, I think full credit to Graham Arnold and the Australian football media for making this a very dramatic day in a way that I was <laughs> I was anticipating it to be yet another one of those days in which we have all this hype and all this build-up and then every, all of our expectations are disappointed and it's all boring and the same and nothing's really changed or, or nothing is different. That definitely wasn't the case. There was drama from the first thing this morning about players being reportedly left out yeah, of the, the squad. The, the
0: leaks, I think that... I was going to say the leak started early. I think Vince Regari's piece about mm, uh Mitch about Langrack. Mitch Langrack yeah. not being selected dropped it like the early hours of it this did. morning. So yeah. it, it really was it was like the closest Australian football has ever come to having a sort of I guess in this this me, heavily mediatized age to having a like transfer deadline day. Yeah, that's right. This was our equivalent. There it was, was just different people <laughs> popping off. There was you know, genuine, bona fide, like news breaking little drops of, of of nuggets here and there. Then there were people, you know, saying oh big things coming, but not actually saying any of the big things that were coming. And people were throwing out the lines and they were catching a lot of fish. It was good. That's right. There it was were, good stuff. We
1: were anticipating bombshells and, and all sorts and, and we got a fair few bombshells, I think it's safe to say.
0: Yes. Well as as you surmised, there are plenty plenty to be excited about uh, with respect to this squad, some questions thrown up as well. But let's start with with the good stuff. And I think far and away the most feel-good story, taking my um, my predilections for Scottish Australians to, to one side for the moment, has to be Garen Cole. It, it felt after his performance on, on the weekend against Western Sydney Wanderers as he bagged a couple of assists, that this was a foregone conclusion, but great to see his name in writing From the NPL two youth system at Golden Valley Suns to Qatar, the World Cup in less than two years. It's like I I know people have been jokingly calling him the, um, you know, the the new Santiago or calling him Santiago and sort of referencing the the progression of um, Santiago Munez in goal. But it's not that far away. Like that is a I know I know everyone who's listening to this knows the story and Oscar, you're familiar, but. It's a remarkable meteoric rise. It's it's crazy,
1: and I think you know. I, I saw that you, you did tweet about it as well early early in the day, and you you acknowledge that this is the, this is we do know that this is what the story is. We I feel like that yeah,
0: happened. it doesn't make me any less but, stunned, but it's it, it's worth repeating
1: and it's worth reminding ourselves of how incredible how meteoric the rise is, because, because it really is. And yeah, as you say, it, it felt like it was inevitable. The wave of momentum and of public opinion was so strong that there would have been outrage had he not been picked. And Garan deserves all the credit in the world for creating that, both with his style of play and with his off-field approach to, to football and to life. And, and I completely agree. I think it's a wonderful story. I think it's valuable for the future of football in this country. And I think it makes our squad better. I think he's absolutely deserving of that spot. He will bring something that nobody else in that squad can mm. bring and that's really exciting. And that's what I think a stage like the World Cup is so is, is tailor-made for when you're a, a team like we are, which isn't going to go win it or anything. These kinds of stories are what keep these World Cups in the memory and what is the function that they serve.
0: Yeah, and I think even as recently as with the, the previous World Cup, there has been that sort of character, that exciting youth talent to, to rally around and that time it was Daniel azani this time it's it's garan qual and look there are people who i fairly i think are asking the question of are we you know yes all of this impact play is exciting in the a league but is it is it transferable to the world cup where you're playing against some seriously seriously strong opponents and again like i said that i think that's maybe a fair question to raise but i think at this point we have to we have to stop you know we have to let garang find his level rather than telling him what his level i think we can't question him anymore at this point because it's not the first time where even as recently as his initial call up to the is for that friendly uh friendlies plural against against new zealand we asked whether there is up to the level then mm-hmm. every time this guy has been asked to step up and thrown a new challenge he doesn't shy away. He takes it with both hands. And I think he's earned the right to show whether or not he can do that at a at a World Cup level far and away. We wondered whether he'd be enough to, to play in the Barcelona game. He dominated. We wondered whether he'd be enough for the game against New Zealand. He was instrumental in grabbing one of the goals. We have to let this kid decide, or he's him decide where the line is, and we, we need to support him uh, along the way. I think he's earned that. Uh, I really I, do think he has earned
1: that. I, I really agree with your summation of that, and, and I, I think that's why I think we have every reason to believe that if anyone can make this step up seemingly with uh, in such an improbable way, well, Garang's proven that he's probably the individual to do it. But I think more so than that, or or equally as relevant to that, is the fact that even if Garang comes off the bench three times... And fails to make an impact, and he, he he spends an hour cumulatively and hardly touches the ball, and looks overawed, and he's out muscled, and he he doesn't make anywhere near the impact that any of us would hope that he would. I kind of want to say, so what? Like like like, and what what have we lost through this experience? Like I'm not expecting that to be the difference between whether or not we make it or not out of the group or anything like mm. that. There are so few consequences for not uh not getting results really no one's expecting us to that, that that's not really in my mind what this is really about which i know sounds ridiculous because it is a world cup and of course it's important to succeed and to progress and to get as many points as possible but i just i just feel like this is we got into this World Cup in the most improbable of circumstances in a way that we've got this new lease on life and and everything kind of feels like a bonus. So I feel like this is as much as ever a World Cup in which we can take advantage of that fact and, and embrace the, the
0: lack of consequences that
1: come with a failure to perform or to get wins.
0: Mm. Uh, and even if he doesn't, like worst case scenario, does not feature at all, sure. it's, it's still, I think, a net positive to, to his development because there will be when you're 18 years of age, there is going to be quite a few World Cups in the future.
1: And I do just want to make one more non-footballing point, which is that when I, when the the media side that comes with bringing Garang Kual to the Socceroos, I don't think should be understated. I know that's not the main focus, but the traction, the, the story of Garang Kual, what that will do for the Socceroos during the World Cup, I think should not be understated. Mm. That's that's the biggest story in Australian football at the moment. Garang Kual is. And so I think capitalizing on that by taking him to the world cup was a no-brainer we had to do that
0: yeah and and i i imagine that graham arnold may well have seen it similarly like i think it's a it's a it's an easy pr win for for him to sort of be able to to take this um kid on board get a lot of the the good um vibes i guess that come with that and then that's also a a situation that we we don't know what his future is as the national team boss beyond the World Cup, but it is the kind of example where he can say, "Well, I'm you know helping to to bring yep. talent and if he decides to, you know explore his coaching options elsewhere as has been rumored." Well, Garan qual he makes up a uh, a selection of forwards in the squad alongside Matthew Leckie, Awa Jamie McLaren, Mitch Duke, Craig Goodwin, Martin Boyle, and and I've left his name till last for good good reason, because I want to talk about him, Jason Cummings, another man who has shot from relative uh, obscurity in Australian terms to being a a national team player in in a short space of time. I must admit, Oscar, as recently as Sunday night, I had accepted the fact that Jason Cummings would, despite how highly I rate him as a player and how much I like him as a player and personality... I, I had made my peace with the fact that he wasn't going, but much to my pleasant surprise, he's uh, he's named ahead of Adam Taggart in this squad. Uh, again, quite quite a remarkable uh, journey into this into this side, and I, my personal opinion, uh, a richly deserved one.
1: I concur with your with your assessment. I think that th- this is kind of the thing that I don't really feel like we've almost seen at any other point in Graham Arnold's tenure is this decision with consequences, this isn't just a friendly, There, there is meaningful uh, reputation-related consequences to, to this World Cup, obviously, and he's decided to take a risk and try something that is less safe, less comfortable, less the Arnie way. And, and, and like you, I, I had resigned myself to the fact that we were going to be disappointed and it was going to be underwhelming and Graham Arnold was going to go with what he trusted. But I think that... I, I wonder if Arnie has a, a sense of liberation with the way he's approaching this and that I don't think he's particularly expecting to stay beyond the World Cup. Uh, I don't think any more well, many people are expecting him to stay. Well, you so,
0: you've sort of seen that. You, you've seen the the narrative in the last couple of weeks and I, I haven't, I must have been, I haven't really been a big fan of the timing of maybe some of these these drops and these updates, mm-hmm. but we have seen a bit of a shift from the sort of public facing persona of, of Arnie in the media, to be, I don't want to say less and less about his role as soccer's coach because that has been a part of it, but more and more about the future. And uh, from an outside looking in perspective, um, sort of feels like he's maybe laying the, the groundwork to say that, you know, if things, if there is a parting ways between Arnold and the national team at the end of all of this it might come across as more of a, a, his sort of, you know, he, he quit. He didn't, Mm. uh, wasn't fired or anything that he, he left the soccer on his own terms. And that's where the MLS stuff has popped up. That's kind of a non-secretary, maybe not something to worry about now, but I think we've seen that maybe that, that sort of commentary that we've seen come out in, in a, a few different articles online speaks to, to what you're, what you're saying, this increasing, um, Yeah, not resignation, but exceptions of the fact that Arnie knows that he might not be here, that the pressure is off him because the real pressure was in actually qualifying for this tournament. Almost, I don't want to say, and it's kind of depressing to say that results are to an extent secondary, but they sort of are. Um, And I think, yeah, like you said, the the couple of decisions that he's made um, are certainly reflective of that. As you said, though, they are decisions with consequences. Adam Taggart. Looks at least on the face of it, that he's the the player uh, that misses out as a result of of these sort of inclusions. He obviously started the the game, a number of important games in in the qualification process. Is he unlucky to to, to miss out? I mean, you probably could make the argument that uh, attribute wise, Taggart and Cummings maybe take up the same role in For terms sure. of their sort of the two more incorporative kind of strikers, whereas Jamie McLaren's the more uh, poacher, more pure out-and-out goal scorer. Mitch Duke is, uh, is the physical presence, the aerial threat, the battering ram, if you will. It, but they're still, Arnie still could have f- found a way to, to squeeze him in. He has had his problems with the injuries, but I think he's had five goals in, in the J-League. One, you compare that with Duke, who scored, I think, a similar number, but in the second competition. Uh, are you feeling that he's a, a bit unlucky to, to, to miss out? I I think
1: this is an area of the squad, perhaps more so than other parts, which we might may end up talking about, where Graham Arnold's discussion of who's playing week in, week out, and has been consistently over the period immediately leading up to the World Cup, who is in the best shape of their life, I feel like... Mm-hmm the selection of Jason Cummings is consistent with that in a way that it that that makes the exclusion of Adam Taggart unfortunate uh, but perhaps uh logical and reasonable look I, I i i think it is the popular opinion which says that Jay, most people at least of whom i'm aware would be would prefer Jason Cummings went than Adam Taggart so it, it's hard to Fairly assess that question of whether he's been unfairly left out, considering at least my own preference for ha- to have Jason mm. Cummings on the plane.
0: Is there also an element, perhaps uh, I'm purely? Oh, I mean, I'm purely speculating with pretty much everything I say about this. But right. really, um, what this is—is is there a p- potentially an element to maybe the case for having Garang and Cummings together being a really strong one, as opposed to one of them individually? Because They have sort of made this. They've made their step into the national team at the same time. They've obviously developed this very strong partnership uh, at the Central Coast Mariners. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily one we'll see play out a lot. They're probably going to be players who come off the bench, both of them. Not necessarily one we're going to see play out a lot at the World Cup level. But in terms of a squad cohesion kind of situation, it does seem like they've really. Become really close. We got a good insight into that into the all access documentary yeah. about qual Cummings has really taken this this young boy uh, under his wing. Yeah. Maybe there's an element to which Arnie did feel as though, for yeah, for for unity purposes, for harmony purposes, I don't want to send this young kid into the Wolves into an yeah. environment where he's making a huge step up with all these players who he doesn't know, he hasn't played alongside, with the exception of well Kai Rolls. Yeah. It's good to have this guy who who's there to sort of shape the way. I wonder if that's a, a an element that might have factored into into the decision making. And look, if it means that uh, if it means that Jason Cummings is going to make the squad, then uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Shall we move on to the midfield? Yes, it's, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty light selection in terms of there's kind of two players for every position in what we imagine will be a four three three, which means we've got a. Uh, 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 I guess, a, a tr- I was going to say trio of trios, but that would make more. It's like a, a duo of, of midfield three options, I guess. It's six in total. It's basic math. Uh, <laughs> of Keanu Backus, Jackson Irvine, Cameron Devlin, Riley McGree, Iden Frustich, and Aaron Moy. Now, I think the, the big surprising name, the one that seems to be generating the most amount of conversation, the... Yeah, you know, the Eurovines, your Magris, you're that they're all pretty straightforward. I mean, Moy and Frostich are a locks. Magris has been fairly involved, Irvine as well. Uh Devlin, I guess, is someone whose club form has made him, I think, undeniable as time has gone on, even though he's been a made, I guess a, I guess a late charge. But Bacus, Bacchus though is is the one that seems to be generating the discussion the most online, probably getting an option or a place in the team ahead of a Denny Genre who we've seen feature um, fairly regularly throughout the kind of last year of qualification alongside Conor Metcalf too. Uh, But it's Bacchus who is given the nod. I must say I understand why people maybe have thrown up some qualms about this one. Bacchus is probably uh, a more defensively minded player than Metcalf. And and genre, even though I think genre can play as a defensive midfielder, I actually think this this is okay because Graham Arnold has, even though there's been some inconsistencies of application with this logic, has made a big focus about being um, about players prioritising players who have been able to secure match minutes, and to that end, or, or playing at a high level too. Um, to that end, uh, Bacchus really has done everything that he's needed to do since. You know, making a, making a move to St Mir, and he's been one of their standout players this season, he's been one of the better players in the Scottish Premiership from outside the sort of, uh, well, the big two, I was nearly going to say big three in Torian Hearts <laughs> but that would, be, that would be very charitable to my uh, beloved team I think on minutes and performances in his competition I think he did everything he can and a lot of questions were asked about his selection over the other two in the, uh, the press conference that was done immediately after the squad was announced. And Arnie said that he took two players for every two players for every position. Now let's assume that we're playing a four, three, three and that within that four, three, three, you've got the six, you've got the more defensive midfield out and out presence. You've got the 10, the attacking midfielder, and you've got the eight, you've got the player who can sort of sit in between the, those two roles can shuttle the ball. Who's the Jim agree? That's your 10s. Yep. Irvine, the third man running ability, the late penalty area entries, he can function as an eight. Moy, a distributor who's got the ability to kind of play both roles, but does sit in between. Here's the other eight. That leaves you with two sixes. And I think it's a fair, I think there's a fair argument to be made. De- Devlin, for me, I think he should start for the Socceroos. I'll acknowledge some of my own bias with that, but he has been uh, one of Hart's best players this season playing regularly in a European footballing league, but also in the Europa Conference League as well, where he's scored, where he's been really valuable in a position and a role that the soccerers have really struggled to find an answer for, which is that out-and-out defensive midfield presence in front of the back four. I think he's done enough to to start. I don't know whether he will, but I think he's done enough. And Bacchus has f- fills that role almost entirely when he plays at club level, whereas... Metcalf and genre are a bit more varied. I can understand the the logic. I think, yeah. I think of all the questions that have been thrown up about this squad, and we will get to more of the, I think, the dubious selections uh, a bit later. I actually think this one is quite defensible from my own perspective. But I acknowledge my place as someone with with quite a quite a big uh, Scottish Scottish lean, shall we say? But I don't know. What what did you make of that? That sort of last spot going to back us?
1: I think the way that you've broken down those different selections and and those pairs of players in each of those roles, uh, which, which, as you say, is based off what Graham Arnold said in his press conference, I think, as you say, has provided a very reasonable justification for the selection. I think when we speak about, as you said, the areas where the Socceroos have been lacking for quite a long time, I think that you can see... I can see Graham Arnold's thinking in making this decision and making all of these decisions in the midfield. And I think that that provides a degree of, of comfort that there is, that there is an, a discernible logic and, and a discernible plan that Graham Arnold's coming forward with. I think there's midfield as a whole, more so than any of the other positions uh, is a huge win for the brand of Scottish football. <laughs> uh, in in a really interesting way that ha- we haven't really seen before, this shift in terms of what is considered a good enough league for in which you can succeed and, and, and achieve to warrant Socceroos' selection. Uh, look, I think at the end of the day, I would probably fall in the majority camp of people who know Keanu backus as a player, know what he brings, understand that he's a good player, but unlike someone perhaps like yourself who, 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 well, I don't know if you watch St Mirren week in, week out, perhaps, but but certainly watch St Mirren more than the average individual in this country. It makes it harder to assess things in terms of current form and who deserves based on how they've been playing this season. We're kind of reliant on people like yourself who, with, with your assessment. And so at which point the, the easiest way or the, the best analysis that I can provide is very much down the same line of what, of what you've already been through, of the the system, the structure, the plan, the idea that Graham Arnold is promoting by bringing mm. two players who are clearly identifiable and, as and,
0: and I'm not saying I agree with that approach to to composing the squad necessarily, but I think um that's if that's Arnie's logic and that's the framework because we don't pick the national team he he does uh, if if that's the framework then I think. Is it a little rigid, yes, but if that's the one we're gonna operate under, then I, I think it makes sense. But I
1: think this is a less rigid framework than what we're used to under Graham Arnold, whereby this is not a decision made out of hierarchy or out of establishment. And I think that's well, I, the- I mean
0: more in, in relation to the midfield where he's clearly got like quite specific ideas for three different yeah. midfield slots. And
1: I and I recognize that. I'm not I, I I I understand that, but I'm saying that the decision to take kind of a different rigid approach is in and of itself refreshing and in and of itself mm. new. I think it's... it's. I, I could imagine a world in which this midfield six came out and we saw that they were all individually good players and there's mm. some way that they could function, but there would be a clear weakness most of the time that would be at the six. It's like, well, who's actually going to play in that six position? Is Aaron Moy going to be playing at the six? How is that going to work? Whereas this time Graham Arnold has approached it is I'm actually going to find the best player for that position rather mm-hmm. than the player with the most sway or the most authority or NRI kind of thing.
0: Mm. I guess the the counterpoint is that perhaps, especially with, with Moy who uh, as he's gotten older has become maybe a bit less mobile, occupied more of a, a deeper role like when he first started playing he was a real sort of shuttler he yeah. could carry the ball from sort of one end of the pitch to the other he doesn't do that so much anymore is it maybe is is the whole midfield selection a bit too defensively oriented like would you rather maybe like genre can play pretty much every slot in that in that midfield 3 now metcalf is a player that i really like i think he's a victim of the fact that there's probably two players who offer similar things to him, uh, especially in an off-ball sense, in terms of being that um, midfielder with a with a penalty threat, which is Irvine and Irvine and McGree. They both kind of do that, and I think both of them do it, have been doing it more consistently at, at club level of late, and probably have more Socceroos runs on the board. That makes sense, but Moy is arguably in that if he's the sort of 8 he's probably leaning more towards the the sort of 6 the defensive area yeah. of the pitch than he is the the 10 would you perhaps have been better off having a a midfielder within that trio who has a bit more versatility can afford to do a little bit more because if you if I just wonder if maybe a if you look we're probably Irvine Moy Krustic is probably yeah. <laughs> going to be the starting three. So maybe a lot of this is a is a moot point, but I just don't trust Moy in that. I, he's become a bit of a weird one for me where I don't trust him enough as a sole six in terms of what I would want from a midfielder in a team. I don't really love him as an eight. I think there's someone... There's got to be a bit more dynamism there. Uh, I just feel like they—they're you're
1: advocating to just not have Moy in the squad.
0: I'm, I'm sort of—I am sort of reaching that conclusion yeah. without realizing, am I? But I don't know. I just feel like I'd want someone within that if Moy is going to lean more defensively anyway. Um, I kind of want someone who's able to, to to plug a plug a gap, do a bit a bit more of everything. And I I do think in that respect, um, genre is unlucky. I think he's unlucky.
1: And look, this all comes down to how Graham Arnold chooses to play, in particular Aaron Moy, which we can't know and we won't know until we actually see the games, obviously. I, I, I take your point, and I think there is a, a lot of merit to what you're saying, and I think that ultimately the midfield is beholden to the limitations of Aaron Moy. As much as Aaron Moy has so many qualities and brings so much to the to the team, that perhaps comes at the expense of, of the functionality of the midfield as a whole. Uh I, 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 I wonder if Graham Arnold will perhaps be a bit more experiment, not experimental, but but but. Well, when you talk about that position that Aaron Moy plays, it would be weird to me to have those two sixes in Cam Devlin and Bacchus just sitting on the bench the whole time, whilst Aaron Moy also. Does that role and has his limitations. Mm. I I, well, that, I, that's, I wonder if I that. I guess indicates. that's my.
0: That, I guess that's my argument. Is like yeah. if if they're not going to start, why not have someone who can do a bit of everything on that midfield? And I don't think Bacus uh, De- Devlin could. Yeah, he can, but it's not his strength. But perhaps I suppose the optimistic side
1: of me is suggesting. Does that mean Graham Arnold's willing to try something a bit different with what Aaron Moy is being asked to do? Mm. I don't. I think it's unlikely, but. That's how I can rationalise having these two the, having picked both Backers mm. and Devlin. Yeah,
0: well of course it's worth mentioning as well, even though we haven't talked about him too much in this midfield phase because he's he's a lock, really, and he's, he's one of the soccer's best players. There is a sort of nervy yeah. uh weight and, and panic over over the fitness of um Hustic. Over the fitness of Aidan Krustich. So uh that that is gonna be a, a really, really big concern. Um, Oscar, I think we might just uh, head on to the defenders now, um, because we we have spent a lot of time we have <laughs> nattering, spend a lot of time nattering over the uh, the front front uh, area of the park. Now onto the defenders, we go. Where uh, the list is Nathaniel Atkinson, Aziz Behech, Milos degenek Thomas Deng, Fran Karasic, Bailey Wright, Harry Souter, Kai Rolls. And Joel King. And I think I, I quite like the way we've gone from front to back because I do think the further back you get in this squad selection, the more questions mm. start to appear. Now the biggest one so far has been has been Joel King selected as a as a second left back behind Aziz Bates, despite maybe not playing as many minutes as other players who have managed to uh to crack. Um, or, or been in contention for that that left back slot. It really feels like that's uh, that's ruffled a, a few feathers. It's
1: it's kind of where I've credited Graham Arnold for being consistent with his professed philosophy for picking this squad in the midfield and forward parts of the pitch. And then once we get to the defenders and indeed the goalkeepers, even we we, we start to enter this realm of of. We're, like the, the philosophy's kind of gone out the window in a way that makes this a very confusing squad, and I don't really understand how how we've kind of got a bit of half and half of of half predictable safe Arnie and half uh, adventurous sticking by his word. He's who's torn playing.
0: between his his, his ideals. He,
1: he, I really feel like he always is is he, in this sense. I mean, it's it is complicated by the the. Uncertainty that exists around the vast majority of defenders and their fitness in this squad in a way mm. that creates this dynamic of, of uncertainty and, and confusion inherently. Uh, I, I will point out for you what a strong win the defenders' selections is for the Hearts brand in particular.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a great it's a great Scottish football squad. It's a great squad if you are an Australian who supports Hearts. I think there's about ten of us. Mm. Uh, so dancing in the streets for for ten people who fit that very niche that subcategory That is
1: Graham Arnold's target audience. Of he's, which, he's, well,
0: yeah. that, that's he's, 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 look he's taking his time, but finally <laughs> he's, uh, he's speaking my language. I like it. He's finally like feeling
1: it. able to express himself in this position, and that's actually what he's been getting at throughout throughout his whole tenure. Is he's really wanted. To put hearts at the front. And this whole time, yeah. how do
0: I win over Lockie Flanagan in South Yarra? <laughs> that's right. What will the Lockie Flanagan's of the world think? No, that's not true. Uh, he definitely has not paid any attention and hasn't paid a lot of attention to the outside noise uh, about some of these selections. And I do want to narrow in on on Joel King, a friend of the friend of the station, Dummy Coolash, posted a big thread about uh, match minutes for for mm. various players. I don't I, look that. Joel King's selection is not the only question in this defensive category. You've mentioned the injuries. You've mentioned some of the logic that's been applied to make selections. But Graham Arnold has certainly, in the lead up to this World Cup, made match minutes a big importance. It's why it's the logic we've seen to have some of the other players in this squad selected. It's certainly helped Jason Cummings. It's certainly been a benefit to Keanu Bacchus. But you look at some of the left-back options who were in the conversation. You've got Jason Davidson, who's played uh, 1,243 minutes, 14 starts across 16 games. Alex Gerjbacker, just over 1,000 minutes with 11 starts across 12 games played. Aziz Beige for Dundee, 958 minutes, but starting every single one of the games in which he's played in Scotland. Uh, Callum Elder clocks in at 927 with 11 starts in 13 games. Joel King for OB, Odense Bold Club, Uh, 291 minutes, three starts, and six games played. So of those left-back competitors, very much uh, at the sort of back end, and particularly for someone like Jason Davidson, who I'll admit was in my Socceroos squad, who's been playing uh, while he's been at at, at Cass, uh, Eupen, in in Belgium, has not just played as a left-back, but also functioned as a centre-back when the need be. I think he's hugely unlucky to miss out, hugely. We can't even rationalise the selection of Joel
1: King by saying, well, Joel King has this renowned extra level of quality that none of those other left-backs that you just listed have, that he's just far and away the best, and so in that case we'll make an exception. That That's not true. And so I... I, I that's probably the most, ah, oh, well, the second most confusing selection in this whole squad. I don't and,
0: and if anything, I actually think a lot of the names that were in contention for the left back position, their attributes are quite similar. Yeah, they're not hugely, they're not substantially right. different
1: players. There's no, there's no. I don't see the differentiation that Joel King brings that would justify overlooking the the the, the lack of match minutes compared to his to those competing for the same position.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a big surprise. It's a it's a big surprise. Um, I guess there there are some more more cynical people that would perhaps suggest to you that it isn't all that much of a surprise. But um, look, look, it, it's. I think for the most part, for the most part, Arnie has got the decisions right. This is maybe I think, know, yeah, we can we can let him have a, a mulligan or two in the squad. This is maybe one where it's like, hmm, well, should we really be letting our national team manager get away with it? maybe not but i don't have the authority to actually <laughs> lead my you know, law. Uh, my just dis- my <laughs> issues with Joel king being selected to actually do anything so we can i kind of feels like we're yelling at the void but yeah he he is one of the the biggest surprises of this squad certainly one of the the biggest winners tom deng mm. makes it in seemingly as a as a center back selection who can function as a right back if need be i'm a big fan of picking Tommy deng Ahead i like Tommy deng of trent sainsbury yes is that going to make it uh, a bit awkward at the, the mm-hmm. Arnold family Christmas party at the, the end of this year? It would, wouldn't it? I, I don't know how
1: it can't. I like regardless of how easily Graham let Trent down in this in this process. I, I just that's gonna be in the back of his mind for the rest of his life. That's something that they're gonna live with for the rest of their lives. Ooh,
0: he he has been a figure uh who has, I think increasingly come under public questioning, and I guess, and public scrutiny as to his position within the soccer squad. He did have a couple of poor games that I think not an ideal time in a national team shirt. Couple that with the fact that he hasn't been playing for the last few weeks because his season in the Middle East came to an end. He's been training with Melbourne City just to sort of keep, uh, keep fit you know nothing more than that because of, of his contract situation. But it's it's the Jekyll and Hyde of this squad. This is mm.
1: another case in which, all right, we've got consistency with the professed rationale. That there mm. it is. That makes sense. We see it as you say. He hasn't been playing competitive football for the last couple of months. That that
0: okay cool. But then but then in the same position you have Harry Suter <laughs> and Kairos. Kairos uh, came off the bench, played four minutes uh, in the in the. Th- Thrilling three two win over Motherwell mm. um, for Hearts on on Monday night, but he played three minutes. It was his first game for I think two to three months, that's and yet Sainsbury is out because he hasn't played the required match minutes.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like it, it, it's it's like... I,
0: Sutar, I don't think has has managed to... Have, yes, he's played a, a handful of games now in the uh, in, in the under twenty threes. I think I for, think for right, Stoke yeah. in the in the youth side. Um, but I don't think he's managed a full ninety. It's like Arnie's on this. This so the Jekyll and Hyde isn't in the squad. It's just in one position selection. He, he's he's. It's like he's set him. He's on a diet, Graham
1: Arnold. He's set himself some strict regulations, and he's. Just, these are his cheat meals that he's having. It's just every once in a while he's just breaking breaking. He's, he's
0: giving himself the mulligans now. We don't we don't, no, <laughs> we don't need to give he's, him he's the. Punch.
1: Got, oh, I'll allow myself that one. Oh, okay, you deserve it. You've been good with the rest of them. Like you know, we will. We'll, we'll, balance is key in this case. Just one more, you
0: know, one more from the box of favourites. Right. Oh, you know, that, that flake, it feels it like good. it needs some needs some love. That's I, I don't good. I feel like it's king size, what, that's the one. What for me, favorite yeah. would what do you reckon Graham Arnold's favorite chocolate from the box of favourites is? Bounty.
1: Why why do you go bounty?
0: It's just not everyone's favorite. I feel like <laughs> maybe Graham Arnold would, would like that. Picnic? Maybe Boost. Boost feels like the most most uh pace and power kind of chocolate. But All it's but
1: it's, it's it's skinny and short. I'm it's
0: I'm a- mainly just going off the name. We're probably giving it more analysis than an actual. Well, I'm, I'm saying a, a,
1: a Picnic is this girthy
0: crunchy you know. Tough. It's, it's, a it's Picnic tough. looks like a good doer job at central defense. No, it's, it's good. It's, it's the Harry Suter <laughs> of the favorites box.
1: The Milos I don't Sure. Do, yeah, I've Sure these these are the questions like I need said to be probably asked. giving
0: it too much uh, analysis than is actually necessary but yeah it, it does sort of underscore the mixed uh application of, of of logic to to selections in this squad but I think on the whole um I think on the whole it's a pretty good defense like like if Harry Sutar was fully fit and hopefully he will be better when he when the time the world cup comes around it's not even though it's not that long, he is a lock to start. Kai Rolls would heavily be in the conversation. Trent Sainsbury, I don't think has has been good enough to to merit a selection. Whereas Bailey Wright started, I think he has has had three consecutive full nineties for for Sunderland. I still feel like even if the the there are. Um, inconsistencies in the thought process that's led to some of these players being selected, I think with the, ex- the exception of Joel King, the selections are pretty pretty fair. I do want to say, though, uh, Nathaniel Atkinson gets selected. Uh, Frank Karasic also picked. I think one of the... We might talk as we get to the end of this squad about sort of the big winners and losers. I think one of the big losers out of all of this is Ryan Strain. Mm. I think he is massively massively stiff to miss out on going to the World Cup. Um, again, another player who has been playing in, in Scotland. But for those of you who, who haven't watched any of St Mirren, he, uh, Ryan Strain has been a standout in that that right-back slot. He's probably been one of, if you look at FOTMOB, the the average ratings on football, but I know that's not necessarily the most reliable indicator, but he's one of the top 20 players um, in Scotland at the moment. I think he'd definitely be in the top 30 to to 40 based on what I have, have seen. Certainly one of the leading players in his position this season. He scored a cracking free-kick goal uh, against St Johnston, albeit in a loss on the weekend, and has had a couple of assists too, particularly that one uh, that we saw him set up for Keanu Backus when he scored his first St Mirren goal. He's been really good, and I actually think he's performed well more consistently than Nathaniel Atkinson this season. I, I still think the... Nathaniel Atkinson has a higher ceiling. That was literally the question I was going to ask. He's, he's got that. a hi- he's got a higher ceiling, but his performances in a Hearts shirt since he's joined joined the club have actually been, from what I've seen, quite inconsistent. The good has been really, really good, particularly going forward, but defensively extremely suspect on a lot of different occasions. And I do think this is one of the situations where we know Arnie is someone who does place a high value on his personal relationships. I do think this is a situation where Ryan Strain is a bit of a victim of the fact that Nathaniel Atkinson is someone who's got a very strong connection with with Graham Arnold. He's the kind of player that Graham Arnold likes. He's also got that um, – ability to also play as as a winger or as a midfielder if need be. I don't like him in either of those positions. I think he should solely be a right back. Um, But he's got that going for him. And he's also been through the the youth team that Arnie managed as well. And Arnie does want to reward people who have shown faith in him, who have delivered for him. I also don't think he's been very uh, convincing either when he's actually played for the Socceroos. But I think if we were picking on form... I think Strain would go ahead of Atkinson. I would select Strain ahead of Atkinson, but I do think this time he's lost out because of maybe uh, some non-footballing factors.
1: I suppose the counter-argument and the reason that I would pick Atkinson over Strain was uh, I said I was going to ask you the question of who has the higher ceiling. And the reason for me that's relevant is, is, is I guess, the, the justification for which players you're picking in this squad. I... I I think we're planning for the uh, – starting that sentence again. For, 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 the, for the next the, cycle. No, that's not, that's not where I was going to go. I was going to go, what's the best that the Socceroos can put out? And I think that Nathaniel Atkinson is more likely to be part of the Socceroos side, which is the best that the Socceroos can put out, than Ryan Strain is. And I think insofar as that's the case, I, I, I think it's worth the punt On on Nathaniel Atkinson, like in in a way that I accept if Ryan Strain has been more consistent and more reliable this season, which by based on all the evidence he has been, I think that the fact that Nathaniel Atkinson has a higher ceiling means that uh, Graham Arnold sees that as a higher level functioning of the squad as a whole. And that's worth taking that risk on.
0: Okay, I, I think we'll we'll, for the purposes of, of brevity, yes. uh, agree to to disagree on that one. I say as we we get into our fortieth minute Turkish of Turkish delight. By the way, I reckon Graham Arnold would like Turkish delight. See, I think I think Turkish delight is actually underappreciated and gets a pretty bad rap. Um, that's because they're the I actually, actually that's I actually the think Tur- in the box. Mm, I disagree. I think I think Turkish delight is the hipster's chocolate, and that's why I actually think that Graham Arnold wouldn't I feel like Turkish delight. Be interested like in the it. the. the like the geriatrics chocolate.
1: I didn't want to say, but yeah, sure,
0: that one, yeah. the. I feel like it's either or. But Gray, for me, Graham Arnold doesn't fit into either of those characters. Carac- uh, sorry, categories. C- he's definitely not. I tell you, okay, maybe it's easier to do this by process of elimination. Okay. Graham Arnold, definitely not a Marvelous Creations man.
1: No. Doesn't no. doesn't like,
0: you no. know, in his midfields and in his chocolate, does not like Marvelous Creations.
1: Do you reckon he, I don't think he's cherry ripe.
0: No. No. Now we've got to remember what's in the favorites box. uh, I've got the list here. I think (laughs) think Morrow, that might be a shout for for Ferrani's favorite.
1: Well, if. It's an
0: unremarkable, it's a reliable chocolate in most people's eyes. But it's not. Spectacular. If Graham
1: if surely it's the surely the, Graham Arnold would be the Mars bar to Steve Corak's Morrow or something like that. There's <laughs> there's a relationship there that exists. I I don't feel like Morrow's the head honcho in that family of
0: chocolates. Again, giving it far more analysis <laughs> than is required. As we're doing with this soccer squad, although in this case very much required, as we move on to the goalkeepers, where one of the uh the low-life leakers, uh he's not actually a low life, he's a very nice guy. Um, and if you believe some reports, also a billionaire, uh, Vince Regari <laughs> announced uh, in the early hours of this morning that Mitch Langerak had been left out of the Socceroos squad. And while we all sort of joked that it might be funny if, if after all this furor that broke out online that Mitch Langerak ended up in the Socceroos squad, anyway, uh, he did not. Andrew Redmayne, Matt Ryan and Danny Vukovic, the three selected. Now, Oscar, there are a lot of different interpretations of this this situation uh, most people thought that this was the area of the park in the Soccer squad over which there was almost no debate. Everyone was pretty much agreed that the the trio would be uh, Ryan, Langerak, Redmayne because Redmayne's the third keeper. Stick him around for the penalties. Mitch Langerak's been the best performing and Matt Ryan is the, well, in some people's eyes, unquestionable, in my eyes, questionable uh, starting Socceroos goalkeeper, as he has been for a while. But the sting in the tail of this Socceroos selection story was that Mitch Langerak wouldn't be called up, Danny Vukovic going in his place. Certainly this stirred up some uh, some online controversy. It, it 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 ruffled more than a few feathers. Are we... Uh, Soccer Twitter has, and just Australian football in general, we do have a habit of... Going into far more uh, detail and despairing far more about things than we actually need to, sometimes, um, did we have we done the same thing here with a freak out over a potential reserve goalkeeper uh, in the Socceroos squad?
1: I think for me the main mitigating factor is that had Mitch Langerak been selected, I didn't expect him to see a minute, barring injury to Matty Ryan. For me, that that's the one thing that I can take away, and, and I, I guess makes it less severe in my mind. Is is I, I I can't imagine, except barring injuries and barring a penalty, that anyone other than Maddie Ryan would be in that goalkeeper position during our World Cup campaign. That's that that's the only thing I can offer. Outside, have we overreacted? I I, I think the reaction is largely in a non-footballing sense, on in a, in a personal sense to someone who by all reports is a wonderful human being in Langerak, who of course has also been performing on the pitch, but having been coaxed out of Socceroos retirement by Graham Arnold, encouraged to come back, to have committed to doing so and to, they, to then not see the pitch and not be selected in the World Cup squad, I think it is, is personally and morally uh, uh, upsetting, perpetuitous in a way that, that that I think is stronger than the footballing argument.
0: Well, it was interesting as well in the the aftermath. This was an area of the pitch that Graham Arnold was questioned about mm. uh, pretty strongly, and and right, rightly so, given the discussion of the day about Langerak's non-selection. And he did say that the uh, the goalkeeping coach for the Socceroos, uh, John Crawley, had a a very heavy influence over the decision of this uh, these goalkeeping squads, and I think Crawley has had a previous connection to all three of the goalkeepers who ultimately have been selected. Now, I'm not suggesting or insinuating any, any foul play there, but I do think it's odd that Graham Arnold, I mean, he is the manager of the Socceroos. He has got overwhelming... Yeah, you know, to to an extent, he's not he's not a dictator. <laughs> uh, he he is employed by someone else. But where it relates to footballing decisions, he is the alpha and omega of what should be picked. To 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 publicly come out and say, well, these are my goalkeeping co- goalkeeper coaches' selections. Um, particularly when Langorak's form in Japan has been so good that he has been asked to come out of retirement before. Um, he's worked himself into the conversation, he's set and broken clean sheet records, which is not all down to him, but a large part of it is. Um, That's a pretty big omission to make from a squad that was supposed to be... This was the World Cup where club form had never been more important. Um, Pretty big omission in that context, but also... Interesting that he chooses to to palm that off as not yeah. his decision. I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of, no. of the way that was handled. Or if that's genuinely how it was handled, um, I'm not a huge fan of the goalkeeper coach, even though they probably are the best placed, um, being the one left to make that decision. Because I think it is Arnie's... It should be the decision of the national team coach to pick the goalkeepers, regardless of the recommendations that are made to him. And, I mean, Mitch Langerak has been so good in Japan. It just feels like, especially in the context of the whole coming out of retirement thing to play when he was asked to, it feels like a slap in the face.
1: And not only should it be Graham Arnold's decision, I think I agree with you on that, but I also think, I I, I think it is... Even if, and I, I'm quite happy to believe that John Crawley made this decision. That seems, like, I I, be, I believe that.
0: Yeah, it seems that,
1: that logical. It seems reasonable. Well, I say reasonable, it seems believable. But I don't think it is reasonable for Graham Arnold to therefore deflect some kind of responsibility for that decision, I, I, which is what I saw that a, a, as, as a move in, in recognising the the outrage and the disappointment and to then say, well, that's not, my decision. It's this very, you know, we we can make some broader point about it being a, a problematic trope in Australian football as a whole and the handballing of responsibility. And oh, gee, we've managed to include all sorts of references in the space of a couple mm. of sentences, but it, it it can't not fall back to Graham Arnold. I don't I don't know how Graham Arnold hasn't taken it on himself to explain that decision in some capacity, rather than simply delegate it to someone else and say, well, it was their responsibility, so don't come at me for it.
0: That, yeah, and also it's just not. It's I mean this is I guess this is a bit adjacent to the, the point that you're making. It's also just not true. Like yep. you, yes, he's made those recommendations to you. You've acted on them, but ultimately the decision-making power of selecting this squad is in your hands. If he makes recommendations to you, if you choose to take those on board, that is you. That's not his like. That's actually not his decision. That's your decision. If you choose to stick by him in making those recommendations to you, well, yes, he's picked those players out, but you've chosen to back him in. And, you know, you've put maybe your potential thoughts about who should go to one side because you want to back in your man. If you are standing by him and you're standing by his decisions, I don't think it's a very good look to then throw him to the walls. Even though no one's really, like, realistically... he's not actually being thrown to the wolves because John Crawley's not someone who's going to front the media and ask questions about why the reserve goalkeeper for the Socceroos isn't, or the one that we expected isn't being selected. But I think you've got to own it. I think you've got to give some justification because what people wanted with this situation was answers as to why that happened. And just saying, well, someone else made this decision when really that's not true. You've taken his advice and made a choice to take his advice. It's actually not an answer. It's not an answer. It's it's not an excuse, but it it's it's a deflection. And it is a decision, as you've said. Yeah. But that's the decision to follow. Even if John your decision Wallis is advice, to take someone else's advice, you've made that call. Hundred yeah, percent. And I think people deserve even if it's something as inconsequential as a player who may not have started, hmm. I still think people have a right to know. And no one's gonna come after John Crawley to find that that answer, at least I I don't think. So I, I would have liked to have had a bit more um, Yeah, transparency, uh, if not from Graham Arnold, from John Crawley, as to how that decision was made. Even if it's an off-pitch thing, even if it's a squad harmony thing, I do not really care. Mm. I think, and I don't think necessarily deep down in their heart of hearts, many, as many um, people as have made commentary about it online today, care that deeply. But I still think they have a right to know. I mean, we're not that far removed from the days of, I think it was the 2010 World Cup squad where it was the 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 squad list was projected onto uh, some Australian landmark. It Might have been Federation Square. I can't remember which. But Pim Verbeek went through every single selection and explained the justification. He didn't say, "Oh, well, the midfield coach handled this one." The yeah. go- that was the goalkeepers coach. Like, I want some. I want some answers. And I, I feel like, yeah, that that people were within their rights to be disappointed. Uh, about that. Another thing that people were quite disappointed about um if for no other reason than sort of lost opportunity and it's maybe the the last point that we'll, we'll talk about before we wrap up because we've gone through the whole squad now is the the fact that uh Christian Volpato actually going to park the Volpato chat for one second because we we promised something winners and losers from the squad uh, did we? Who, okay. <laughs> yes. I put Ryan Strain as a big loser. Let's let's put together three people who I think have have, have gotten the best out of this. I mean, I think they're probably right themselves. Quoll thinks one of the biggest winners. Uh Cummings, big winner for me. I mean Bacchus. That would that would be my three.
1: Taking my three. So what am I meant to say now? I can pick another three Yeah, if pick. You another,
0: like. Well pick pick one exception. Because Cummings and, and Qual I think uh, are pretty undeniable.
1: Uh, it's pretty cool for Danny Vukovic. Yeah, no, great shout. He wasn't yeah, no, to go, great he shout. Wasn't to go, great go shout. here he is. Captured
0: the zeitgeist of the conversation. Okay, I'll let you start this time. You have the Uh Three losers from this, this uh, the people who were stiffest to miss out.
1: Adam Taggart. Yeah. Mitch Langerak. And... We haven't even mentioned the name of Tom Roggage, but I don't think he's stiff to miss out. I think that's reasonable. So I'm 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 instead going to say
0: hey God, we've we've missed Tommy. But he just hasn't like he hasn't played enough. Right. I I don't think I wouldn't use his um abrupt departure from the Socceroos squad that never was publicly explained. I wouldn't use that as a a stick to beat him with. I just think the match minutes thing just hasn't, we haven't seen enough from him. I mean, he's played like no more than 20, 30 minutes in a game for West Brom. I'm saying Adam Taggart, Mitch Langerak, Jason Davidson. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a a solid three. I'm going to go Ryan Strain. Uh, I am going to throw in Tom Rogic. I yeah. also think Marco Tillio yeah. is very unlucky. I think he was yeah. really, really close. And I think his miss in the game against New Zealand and the sort of narrative around him that that created, that he, how are we going to be taking someone to the World Cup who doesn't have that killer instinct, doesn't finish those chances, how that call-up might have affected his place within the City starting squad to start the opening couple of rounds. I think his confidence has been impacted around the discussion on his national team future. It felt like in quite a few games, um, even though he has put in some good performances in that time, there were a lot of touches, particularly in the Perth game, that I think were taken with the weight of a looming selection or non-selection on his shoulders. And he was really probably fighting for an impact slot alongside Garan Kual. Mm. And there was one player who was felt like there was pressure and burden upon his involvement in game because of the the impact. And there was one who I think took that challenge, took that stress in his stride, and that was Kual. Yeah. But I do still think, if it was me, I... I, I'm, I might have taken them both. Um but I do think I do think Tilio is unlucky. Um if you
1: replace Tilio with
0: b- McLaren, but that's too that's too big of a a oh, talking okay. point to um to really Okay. Maybe maybe I also oh, I also omitted Craig uh, Craig Goodwin from my yeah. from my soccer squad that I picked, which kind of just forgot about him, um which I feel bad about. I could have taken him as a left back.
1: I'm, and that's right. I, I'm okay with Craig Goodwin in the sense that I feel like for the very specific circumstances that I expect to see us in at the World Cup, I think Craig Goodwin can contribute meaningfully into in those specific set-piece situations, for
0: example. I uh, completely agree. Well, the other potential loser or someone who did lose out was, I suppose, Australia because Christian Volpato, and this is why mm. I've actively edited the, the running of the show on the yeah. fly because I think it leads in quite nicely... Uh, some feel as though Australia have lost out because Christian Volpanto was uh, apparently named in the initial version or variant of this 26-man squad. Uh, he was called three separate times yesterday by Graham Arnold. Um, Graham Arnold was told by the, the Roma starlet, I guess we can call him, uh, that he was thinking about it until the third and final call, like he's selling a house, um, but rather than you know, agreeing uh Christian Volpato told Graham Arnold that he did not want to be selected for the Socceroos World Cup squad. So who
1: do you think is the individual who has taken Christian Volpato's place? When Graham Arnold says Volpato was in the 26 cuz that's the real winner in this whole thing <laughs> is whoever's managed to take Christian Volpato's spot.
0: That's a good point.
1: Um
0: well maybe Qual Qual possibly I
1: think mean, Qual was going either way.
0: Maybe he wasn't. I don't know? He couldn't have not brought Qual. I'm trying to think. Maybe McGree? That's what I thought. Maybe McGree, maybe feels- Bacchus, and you rely on Devlin and Moy as the six options, and you could also put McGree into the eight. I actually think he's much better as an eight. I really don't feel very strongly for McGree as a ten, but that's, you uh, know, as we come towards the end of the hour, probably not a discussion for right now. Um, maybe McGree, yeah. Yeah.
1: Except McGree's spot felt safe to me.
0: But there, there's been a lot of anger about yeah. this. So we're talking about Volpato, yes. It, there's, it, it's been a really divisive issue to cap or not to cap Volpato. I actually think that Arnie has played it perfectly to offer him a place in the yeah. squad and put the, the ball in his court. Um, I think he's played it perfectly. But I also... I also think that that Christian Volpato is completely within his rights to make the decision that he's made. And I completely support him.
1: That's why I think it's ultimately a non-issue when we talk about to cap or not. To, well, it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether or not we wanted to cap Christian Volpato. Christian Volpato didn't want to play for the Socceroos, which as you say, he is entirely entitled to say. I, true, I, but I, this, this
0: is the first time we've actually heard something. Well, it hasn't come from Volpato directly, but mm-hmm. it hasn't, you know, Graham Arnold, it's, it's, come from the horse's mouth through a chain. This has been the first time we've actually heard his thoughts and feelings. It's been his words. It hasn't been someone else speaking on his behalf. And so I guess the the interesting bit about all this for me is he's decided no. And I think there are different trains of thought that make that decision a very fair one on his behalf for me. But I... Guess the thing we'd all want to know is why. How much does the whole furor and backlash about his reaction to the soccer's defeat to Japan play into it? Is that the reason? Is it the fact that Australia was uh, a youth footballing system that saw him as being not good enough and only now, since he's gone to Italy? Has his talent been recognised and does he want to reward the very system that shut him out at some point? Is it because he'd prefer to play for Italy and he thinks it's a legitimate chance? Is it a combination of all three of those things? Uh, That, for me, rather than uh, stressing about whether we've lost out on this huge talent in in some people's opinions or um, whether or not we should have selected him in the first place or anything like that. I think the why is the most interesting element of all of this.
1: I, I appreciate that this is coming from a program in which we've dissected Graham Arnold's favourite uh, chocolate when I talk <laughs> about reading too far into things. Yeah. I nice. don't think Christian Volpado has thought as deeply as everyone... Sorry, that makes it sound like he was, he was flippant in his decision, which isn't what I mean. I mean to say I don't think that there's some deep-seated... Uh, you know, lifelong retribution story or resentment towards Australian football. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that Christian Valpardo is making inroads in Serie A and in Italian football. Consequently, he believes he is capable of eventually cracking into the Italian national team and playing for the Italian national team carries significantly more weight than playing for the Socceroos. And, and, And that's, for me what it comes down to. That's mm. all I see in this decision. I, I think Christian Volpato's success this season has reinforced in his mind that that's a realistic goal and he could well be right. Yeah. And so he wants to keep that option open. Mm. I don't think it's about the Socceroos. It's about Italy.
0: And one of the things I have struggled with throughout this whole uh, whole discussion around Volpato and discourse is, is, is a lot of people... I, look, I don't want I think this is a good thing. People are really passionate about the Socceroos. The Socceroos is an immensely strong brand in Australian football. It's, it's one that, unlike the A-League, it, it, it permeates through the minds of a lot of people who don't just care about football in this country. There are people who won't watch a game at the A-League, but they're obsessed with the Socceroos when it comes around. I love the fact that we feel so passionately about this national team. I really, really do. But I do think that sometimes that with the specific respect to this debate, I think sometimes people have just not been able to compute the idea that not everyone feels as passionately or as strongly about this national team and the idea of representing this national team as perhaps, perhaps others do.
1: But again, I don't even think it is is an indictment on the amount Christian Volpado cares about the Soccer I think I, I think
0: no, but I, I, that's like, unfair. But, but people see there have been there have been arguments framed around Volpado playing for the Soccer that if he's selected, like it should be an oath. Like it, it, if someone calls you up, if someone asks you to answer the call, and it's your home country, um, it's your duty. But the reality for a lot of people with dual nationalities or, or heritage from other countries is that it's not necessarily black and white. Like, we assume that you have fealty to the country of your, your birth, but it's a completely individual thing. Everyone, right. has, everyone places different meanings on their heritage versus their nationality, and even people who aren't direct descendants. Like, there is so many factors that come into these decisions that not everyone just blindly thinks, I don't want to say, okay, blindly sounds a bit dismissive, but not everyone thinks that playing for the Socceroos is the Alpha and Omega. And this is especially true, especially true of someone who believes they are an actual chance yep. to potentially progress their career with the other nation that they, um, they can qualify, they're eligible for. Right. And, and whether or not he actually gets selected for Italy ever. There are rumours that the upcoming um, November friendlies that Italy will play uh, when the the main playing squad might be away on holiday, um, enjoying some time off because obviously they're not going to the World Cup, um, might be a time where he's in the frame. Irrespective of what percentage chance he is to actually be selected for that squad, it doesn't matter. How likely he is to be selected does not matter. It is all about whether or not Christian Volpato thinks that he what chance he has of yeah. being selected for that squad. It doesn't matter whether it's he's got a ten percent chance in reality if Roberto Mancini sees him as a, a last resort. It's about whether Volpato, and not just in the next set of friendlies, but over the next decade, because this guy's eighteen. He could not get selected for the next two World Cups, including this one and be 26 by the time the next one rolls around in the prime of his life. He'll be 22 for the next one. He will be like, it's so early to have to make this call um, and lock yourself in when he doesn't still doesn't know what he will or won't achieve in, in football. I think he's completely within his rights to make the decision that he's made. Um, And whether or not he's an actual chance of making that grade, of being an Italian national player more than a handful of caps, doesn't matter so much as whether he believes he can do that is the important determinant factor. And ultimately, I think that's what's made the decision. I don't think the Snapchat or the Australian football agenda or lack of appreciation has as much to do with it.
1: I I think what you touched on, the bit that you touched on there, that for me is the most... Persuasive or the most relevant is is the fact that not saying no to the Socceroos in this instance isn't locking Christian Valpardo into anything in the same way that saying yes would. So in the same in in, to the extent that we discuss, it doesn't matter or or, what all that matters is the fact or whether or not Christian Valpardo believes he can play for the Italian national team. The great news for Christian Valpardo is that if that doesn't eventuate. He can still turn around, and if he's one of the best players in the world, he's just not getting a look-in in Italy. It's not like the Socceroos are going to turn around and say, you rejected us then, so go away. Like, we'll say, fine, yes, please come play for us kind of thing. Like, the, he 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 has left his options open with this rejection decision. I did want to ask you, though, when Graham Arnold says he called Christian Volpato three times, do you reckon that was more of a, do you want to play for the Socceroos? No. How about now? No. Are you sure? No. Or was that a. Do you want I to think play the for the second? I think the second think call about
0: it? in between the first and the third was actually, um, what's your favorite chocolate in the box of favorites? <laughs> That's right. That was. Maybe you, that was the third No, maybe that was the third one. It was The first call was, <laughs> are you sure? Uh, no. Uh, are you sure you're sure? No, I'm not playing. Volpe's. Stop calling me Graham. Uh, and then the third one, what if I got your favorite yeah. chocolate from the box of favorites and just that was available in camp all the time? The, and then still no.
1: Volpato set Graham Arnold trials. Now three the numbers yeah. He 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 was like you have to I I will play for the Socceroos but first. You must succeed in these three tasks and the, and then he had this elaborate plan drawn. I am very excited to see what. And one of those plans was was for Graham Arnold to correctly guess Christian Volpato's favorite chocolate from the favorites box. And and perhaps that's where Graham Arnold fell down.
0: Mm. But this is the thing. We 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 ultimately could go into all of his discussion about whether or not he should play at this World Cup. And there is still a chance that he is selected for the Socceroos in future. That's right. We just don't know. But I think we should spend... Even if he picks Italy and gets selected for Italy, I just hope that we don't like slam him or shun him as a result of that. I think we sh- still should massively celebrate and i think we've done a poor job of this to an extent with Lyndon dykes who i recognise is not at the same level or the same calibre it's always a disappointment because because we are a lower lower ranked footballing nation and we're constantly looking for any advantage we're feeding off scraps at the table we're naturalizing scottish people whose grandmothers were australian and that sort of stuff like we're going to great lengths to improve this team anywhere we can i think we can get a bit confrontational to Individuals who decide that that's not for them, and I think that's I think that's a bit I don't think that's a very um, becoming way of approaching these things. I, I think if Volpato does say I want nothing to do with Australia at a national team level, I want to play for Italy. We should still, if he goes on to be a superstar, a legend, like a legend, right? Best case scenario, he's winning multiple Serie A's with I don't know Juventus or whatever. I do not really want them to win, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, what let, what let's just a, use that, that as an example. He has 100 caps for Italy, right? He goes to the Euros. He goes to the World Cup. Who cares if they win or not, right? Best case scenario. I hope the Australian football fandom is supporting him the whole way throughout that journey because that's what he deserves. He doesn't deserve to be turned away because he didn't appreciate us and we're all deep down quite salty about the missed opportunity and what might have been. That's, I think that's a pretty ugly look. I think we should support this guy wherever his career goes. And if it just so happens that it doesn't go as well or that he wants to represent the soccerers, or if he ends up playing NPL in five years' time, let's not hate on him. I don't think that achieves anything. I think the most outlandish thing
1: that you said in the last two minutes was the way that you very implicitly compared the position of the Scotland national team to the Socceroos to that of the Italian national but team relative a, no, to the Socceroos. No, but there was, I'm not, a, they're not a on the same jump. level. Yeah, it's, it's a ju- it's not I, They're, no, they're it's, different responses. Yeah, to they they to are, they're not the same Volpato. thing,
0: but there were people who were annoyed because it was a time where the striker position was a, a missing link for Australia. There were people who were annoyed that Lyndon Dykes chose to represent Scotland instead of Australia there were people who were who've had that train of thought but i still think we should appreciate just because they choose to represent a different nationality doesn't make them not australian no i agree it's a global no, society people have multiple like multiple heritages multiple ethnicities quite often it's only going to be a greater problem than a lesser problem i don't think we should become oppositional about it i think we should just embrace the fact that australian players are whether they're Australian because their grandmother was, or whether they're Australian because they were born in Kudamundra, we should appreciate them all the same and wish them every success. Rather than be like, oh, "You didn't want to play for the Socceroos, so we don't like you now."
1: And, and I and I agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. I, yeah.
0: Well, that feels like a a nice place to end it on, Oscar. We really have done a a deep dive. We've gone all the way from, uh Quall to to Lyndon Dykes. Uh, it's quite the quite the jump from. You know, a young A-League talent at the start of his career who hasn't hasn't even made a start to one who's come through, gone abroad, made the championship, and decided he wants to play for a different national team and not even play at the World Cup.
1: And all the favourites. And all the favourites in, in
0: between. Well, if you've enjoyed the Socceroos deep dive or any of the favourites discussion in between, or you've missed any of it, make sure you catch it on the uh, the podcast podcast platform. Search Football Nation Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you really enjoy listening to On Demand, really. Uh, Oscar and I will be hopefully back here next week at the same time on a Tuesday. We'll start talking about A-League once again. Didn't even get a chance. We went to...
1: Just for the week until it goes we away, to, by the way. But yeah, sure.
0: The penultimate. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we can still do a bit of penultimate week chat. Maybe, maybe even throw some World Cup in the mix. But... Mm. Until that point, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. We'll also say thank you to the Global Institute of Sport, who are our sponsors on the Oz Football Hour at the moment. If you want to uh, eventually take over, perhaps from uh, from Graham Arnold as national team boss, you can get your uh, Masters of Football Coaching and Analysis done online in seven days with a few classes at the MCG thrown in as well. If you're in Melbourne, or you can just do it all online. So, if that's of interest, if you want to become potentially the next. Uh, Next soccer is boss, head to jas.sport/fnr. You might have to compete with Kevin Musket. Uh, quick congratulations to him for his success with Yokohama. But uh, yeah, Masters of Football coaching and analysis is the best way to get ahead. And uh, with the seven days that we've got between now and the next show, Oscar and I may even get ourselves a Masters too. But until that point, until we're fully qualified, uh, goodbye for now. Thanks and success. Victory looking to build, Barbarouss is quick, is he in behind top four, Stanley, it doesn't matter, Costa Barbarouss,
1: wow! Yeah! Yeah! I'm a, a spawning salmon, and to out Oh he's girl, it! Unbelievable kick, <laughs> oh, from